0: Southern Gothic is a podcast that explores the history behind the American South's darkest days, greatest mysteries, and most chilling ghost stories. But today, we aren't hitting the history books. We're going to go down to the campfire for our annual Halloween tradition of 13 spooky tales over the course of 13 nights. Happy Halloween, y'all, or at least Happy Halloween's Eve, right? Well, we finally made it to the end, and I don't know about you, but I am ready for a great day tomorrow. And I actually do have a full-length episode that we are dropping to celebrate Halloween. But first, I've got one last story to tell you from right here by the campfire. And, y'all, it is a tale from my hometown of New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, if you've listened to the show over the years or binged it, you probably noticed that every community that we cover seems to have one or two authors who really own the local lore for that region. People like Catherine Tucker Wyndham, who, as we discussed not too long ago, was a journalist intent on preserving oral histories. Well, in a place like New Orleans, we've got several of these types, but one of the most famous is Jean Delavigne, who, aside from also being a journalist, Published a book in 1945 called Ghost Stories from Old New Orleans. Of course, we have referred to this book many times here on Southern Gothic, and we actually are going to again in a few weeks. But today, I figured why not follow in Miss Delavine's footsteps and tell you a story from that book, an awful little tale from the city that care forgot. In 1927, a fire broke out at the house on the corner of Josephine and Rousseau streets. It was a two-story family home built in 1840 by Charles Vesey for his new wife, Alice. But as the flames engulfed the building, a witness claimed to see a chilling apparition standing on the staircase, unfettered by the blaze. It was the spirit of a woman wearing a black skirt and a blue gingham apron. A woman without a head. As chilling as this was, though, it was certainly not the first time that someone had claimed to see such an apparition there. Several of the home's owners, dating all the way back to 1887, made similar claims, and for some reason it was always the women of the house who came in contact with this spirit. Young brides like Katie Lanigan, who one day, while going up the stairs with a pitcher of water, came face to face with this headless apparition. Katie described her exactly as that later witness would, in 1927, as having a dark skirt and a blue gingham apron. But Katie said that the spirit also had a pad of paper and a quill pen with her, and seemed as if she were writing something. Well, the young woman did not deal well with this encounter and it's said that she dropped the pitcher of water and got the hell out as fast as she could. But this type of sighting happened over and over and over again to each succeeding woman of the house, who at the time likely had no idea why they were coming face to face with such a chilling sight. But in retrospect, we know the reason. This spirit. Was the victim of a gruesome murder that happened right here in that very house. A woman named Alice Vizi, the bride for whom that house was built. You see, when Alice first moved here, she was awful excited and, as such, she decorated the home with all sorts of beautiful features. She planted morning glories and hung lace curtains and did all of those things, but eventually the couple had children and Alice started to struggle to keep up with all of the niceties. Well, Charles noticed, and he watched as Alice started aging right before his eyes, and regularly he offered to hire help for her. But Alice refused over and over again, because what Charles did not realize was that his wife was trying to keep some memories at bay. There were things from her past that Alice did not want to remember and this work kept her busy enough to avoid facing them. That is, until one day they caught up to her. When Alice was a young woman, she fell in love with a boy named Gemini Cruz. Cruz was like no one she had ever met. Aside from just being attractive, he had a creative air about him that made him truly unique. But the young man refused to conform to society and expectations He was an artist, and he focused solely on that, a pursuit that his family objected to profusely. So for a little while, he tried to keep them happy by studying law, and when he tired of that, he tried medical school. But that didn't work either, so he moved on to the next thing and the next thing, but each and every time, he just ended up back in a small room at his father's house, painting and composing beautiful poetry. For this... Alice thought the world of him, but her parents did not. They truly believed that he was no good for their daughter. After all, how could he possibly take care of her when he refused to work? Well, eventually this constant criticism started to weigh on the young girl. And one day, after hearing it over and over again, she gave in to her parents' wishes, broke it off with Gemini, and agreed to marry Charles Vesey, a respectable man from a respectable family. Alice then went years and years without seeing him, but her heart never left. And while she could drown herself in work to avoid the grief she felt from that lost love and her regretful decision to leave, one day she couldn't avoid it anymore as she ran into him out on the street while making groceries with her children in tow. Instantly, her heart sank and she was ashamed of how she looked and felt. A discouraged mother with gray streaks in her hair in her 20s and dark rings around her eyes, while her ex-lover, the man that she had bet against, had become a massive success. An in-demand artist who now owned his own studio and gallery in Paris. Well, y'all know what happened next, right? When Alice got home, she started questioning everything and for weeks she spent time ruminating on these dark feelings, grieving the woman she could have been, the love she could have had, the decisions that she had made until eventually she took action. So she went upstairs into the attic, pulled a wooden box into the corner, got a candle, a pot of ink, and a quill, and began to write. Verse upon verse of forlorn love poured out of her soul and onto those pages and for weeks when Charles left the house for his office in town she'd go up each and every day into that attic to write more and more of them. That is until one day Charles came home early and found her there surrounded by those verses of love. Alice was frozen in fear as he picked up some of these pages and began to read and she watched as his rage began to grow with each and every second until finally his jealousy took hold in a monstrous way. Without thinking, Charles reached over and grabbed a blunt old axe in the corner of that attic, and before Alice had a chance to flee, he swung it at her, striking his wife down with multiple blows to her head, each time with a rage greater than the last. Then, when his fury finally subsided, he threw her body down the stairs, called the police, and tearfully told them how he had found his wife that way. Fortunately, they didn't believe him, and for her murder, Charles was hanged. But while Alice may not have survived the brutality of that day, or the choices that came back to haunt her, her spirit stayed in that home all of those years, warning the women of the house of the dangers that might be there in front of them. That is, until the house burnt down in 1927. Southern Gothic is an independent podcast produced by siblings Brianne and Brandon Shecksneider. And this mini episode was part of our annual Campfire Stories, a series to get you in the spirit for Halloween. We'll be back with an all new full length episode on October 31st. So y'all stick around if you dare. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.